little more in our understanding of God, his will, his word, and his way. Uh, it helps us in a greater way uh, to grow in the concept of love. We were talking about love last time, uh, and one of the things that we did conclude is that there is a struggle within mankind in respect to love. And that has a lot to do with the barriers that exist in the life of man. You see, when you take a good look at us, there's a lot of things about our existence, our humanity, our lives that serves as hindrances to love. Uh, love manifests itself best in a space of purity. And if you know that mankind struggles with purity, say amen. Now, the way we have to condition ourselves to receive this lesson well is if we ask ourselves, okay, do I personally struggle with purity? And I think if we're all honest, we'll all say yes. And if we struggle with purity, that means we are missing the mark of perfection. And if love in its accurate manifestation is indeed perfect, it means that we all have some room to grow in our understanding of and manifestation of Love. If you get that, say amen. Uh, that is, it doesn't matter if I've been known as the most loving person in the world, I can still grow in the idea of love. I can still build up in the understanding of love. If y'all get that, say amen. Uh, so pushing a bit further, we understand that the, that the difficulty with love, as we talked last time, uh, we found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. You all turn there with me, if you will. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we talked about how the idea of love, uh, love suffers a bit. Love suffers a bit. And the reason why love suffers uh, is because man uh, struggles with the concept of love. And we'll see that the end times highlight, uh, uh, we talked on last week, we'll see that the end times highlights in great degree this, this true struggle that mankind has with love. Second Timothy chapter 3, we're looking together at verses 1 through 5. Second Timothy chapter 3, looking together at verses 1 through 5. Turn there with me, meet me there. I want you to see this with your own eyes. Uh, the Bible says, if you haven't, say amen. The Bible says, uh, but now this, uh, that in the, but know this rather, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, uh, Paul says, having a form of godliness but denying its power. He says, and from such people turn away, turn away. A couple of things uh, uh, to note we talked about on last time. In the text, Paul speaks about the end times and he deals with some of the indicators of the end times. However, there is an amazing measure of consistency. And as we take a good look at it, we can see undeniably that the consistency is, is that you'll know the end times because there is a struggle with love. That is, you can see in modern culture that there is this, 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 this hesitation, this fear of almost love. He says, you'll know the end times. People will be lovers of themselves. Uh, they'll be unthankful, without natural affection, despisers of those that are good, lovers of pleasure more than God. And what that reveals to us, what that reveals to us is that I believe, if, if, if you'll allow, I believe that you can begin to tell when the end times are at its worst. And I believe an indicator of when the end times are at its worst is when we have fallen in greater separation from love. So our question in our study is, okay, well then what is, what exactly is love? Because we've heard it all the time. We talked last week, uh, everybody uses the word love, right? Uh, you know, you, you, you remember when you were in grade school and you used to write, uh, so-and-so loves so-and-so. And I said so-and-so because you better be sitting beside the only person you love right now. Say amen if you can. Uh, but so-and-so loves so-and-so. Uh, or, or you'll remember uh, even, even further back, you used to say, I love cartoons. Right? Now, you wouldn't care if you never saw another cartoon in your life. Some of you probably haven't seen a cartoon since you were young. Uh, but it goes to show that with our loose use of the word love, Maybe just maybe we as human beings, we don't fully understand the depth of love. 
So we're going to strive to get that. If you all are still with me, say amen. Uh, to get that, I want us to get to a space where we can define love with great clarity. We, we want to define love with, with greater clarity. Now, there are three points as we shared on last week. I know we covered the first. We were in the midst of the second one. So I just want to jump right into it. I believe personally that, that, don't miss this, I believe love cannot be expressed, cannot be expressed in a godly manner, in a godly manner without understanding these principles and why. That is the foundation of love. If y'all still with me, say amen. The foundation of love is that you've got to first have a love for self, right? A love for mankind. And you have to trust. Someone say trust. You have to trust in the love of God. Now, now we're going to get more into that one in our second lesson, but we're definitely going to emphasize why my ability to love starts first with a love for myself. And the reason why it starts with the love of yourself, we talked about this last time we were together. You see, the idea of loving oneself, you see, love is naturally express, expressed by placing others above yourselves. We learned that in John chapter 15, verses 12 through 13. You all write that down for notation's sake. But there's one of the things that I want you to get. Uh, we talked about it last time. Uh, a quote from the book, The Power of Self-Esteem by uh, Dr. Nathan Brandon. He said, our ability to give love to to others, our ability to give love to others is amazingly connected to how we love ourselves, right? And the point we made last week is that one of the reasons why we struggle with love is because maybe, maybe some of us realized last week, or maybe we've been knowing it for a long time, that we don't really love ourselves all that much. And if you don't love yourself, I don't stand a chance, Right? And, 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 and what will end up happening is if you don't love yourself, anything that you think is love for someone else really cannot be accurately expressed. Because essentially, without understanding that this love for this person must be equated to the love for myself, well, that makes us equals. If I love you greater than myself, that makes you a god. Then I'll do anything for you. I'll compromise myself for you. And when we really get to that understanding, we understand that that, that can't be love at all. If y'all get that, say amen. Matthew 22. Y'all turn there with me if you will. See, love is important because love is the cornerstone of the church. There is no, there is no church without love. Christ, he, he gave his life to open the doors of the church on the basis of love. Matthew chapter 22, I want you all to meet me at verses 38. We're going to look at verses 38 through 40. If y'all get that, say amen. Uh, we, we definitely covered this last week. The Bible says, uh, no, I've got I've to go up to verse number 34. Uh, verse number 34, the Bible says, but when the, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, because he knows he's, he's got him, he, he asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, listen very carefully, you shall what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And what is that? That is, I've got to love God with every fiber of my being. And, 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 and that is a complete and, and, and utter love. That's, that's love through and through. He says, I want you to love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Now, what happens next, we often underestimate. But then he says, and the second is like it. And what that means is, he's not saying second in priority. What he's actually saying is, the number one is just like it. That is, Jesus is painting the picture that love exists in you understanding both of these commands. Well, what's the first command? The first command is to love who? Love God with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That's number one. But he says, the number two is not inferior to it. It's actually just like it. Why? Because first John would tell us, Christ would let us know that I can't even claim to love God if I don't love Brother Finch. It's impossible. So this thing called love, we really got to get this. So he tells us in the next verse, he says, uh, uh, the, the, the second is like it. What's the second that's like it, that is equal to it? He said, you shall love your neighbor as what? 
as yourself. And that's important because the love you have for you is the benchmark for how you'll love me. And if you love, if you, if you struggle with loving you, you're automatically going to struggle with loving me. Ask yourself in your own heart, ask yourself in your own heart, what are some of the things that you say about yourself? How encouraging are you to yourself? How forgiving are you, are you to yourself? If you make a mistake and you recognize 1 John 1 and 9, you confess your faults, uh, God who indeed is faithful and just, he forgives you. Do you forgive yourself? You see, these are all indicators of how you'll treat others. You see, if, 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 if you can't cook, if I come to your house, we can't eat. And the reason why is because your inability to do it for yourself naturally hinders your ability to do it for me. And we understand that, right? Y'all get that. We understand that. That is, if I come in, if, I, if, if in my house I can't, I, I can't even cook an egg, but just because you walk in my house, now I become some kind of super chef. No, that's, that's impossible, right? That's impossible. So the point is, is that it starts with loving yourself. You got to love yourself, right? And you've got to truly understand what is it to love yourself. Well, well, to get the concept of loving yourself, we're going to go through this idea of study. And as we learn the ideas of love and we learn the truth about love, we want to make sure we're giving that to us. If y'all get that, say amen. So in addition to loving yourself, in addition to having, having a love for yourself, we also have to have a love for mankind. And I think this is where we left off. That is, okay, yes, you've got to love you, but you've got to love mankind. And I intentionally said mankind because that is, um, I'm not talking about just our circle of friends or the people that we know or the people that we're cool with or the people that we hang out with. Or, or, or as y'all know, we love to say, or blood, you know, because she's blood. Come on now, you gotta, you gotta help her out. Why? Because she's blood, right? Uh, we, 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 we know how to love family, friends. We struggle sometimes with family. Y'all tell the truth. You know, you struggle sometimes with family. Uh, but we know the idea of loving that demographic. If y'all get that, say amen. But I'm challenging you to understand that true love that God is calling us to rises higher than just our circle. It's for all humanity. That is, it ought to be, it ought to be in our hearts and minds that we're striving to have a love for humanity. And why is it essential to have a love for humanity? Because you'll never get into the spirit of evangelism if you don't have a love for humanity. Because otherwise, those people don't even matter. Because I've got me in mind. Y'all know that phrase, me in mind, right? I've got me in mind, and I'm going to make sure that me and mine are well. I'm challenging you to understand that it just can't be that. We already got finished saying you have to have a love for yourself, but I want you to know already that it can't stop at one. That is, it's not just enough to love yourself, because if you'll remember in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 2, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 2, is where Paul told us we would know the end times, and how would we know the end times? We'll know when we are in trouble, and how will we know we're in trouble? We'll know we're in trouble because people will be lovers of themselves. Well, yes, so it sounds kind of oxymoronic. So, preacher, you're telling me I should love myself, right? But Christ says you should love your neighbor as yourself. And the concept of loving my neighbor as myself means that I ought to view you in the same eyes I view myself. If I want to make sure that I'm eating when I'm hungry, if you're hungry, I should want you to eat too. If I don't want anybody leaving me when I'm sad, I shouldn't leave not when he is sad. If I want someone to encourage me, uh, and I see uh, Sister Parrish needs encouragement, I ought to strive to encourage her. Because the idea of love means that we have to start seeing everybody the way we first see ourselves. Now, the reason why we struggle with the way we see ourselves, uh, well, that, that's deeper, and we'll get to that in the third part. Uh, but you've got to identify the struggle with, that we have with loving ourselves because, you see, love is about magnifying mankind before yourself. So it's about, I've got to understand that the way I view me, the way I take care of me, that's just the start. And I want to help you and see to your needs and be a friend and be a brother and be a supporter to you, if y'all get that, say amen. John chapter 3 and verse number 16 is, is powerful. The Bible says, uh, for God so loved the world. Appreciate that. God so loved the world. That isn't God so loved Jerusalem. 
God so loved the Israelites. God so loved Judah. But the Bible says God so loved the world. And how does he demonstrate his love? He gave his only begotten son. That is, he allowed his own child to suffer so that we could be freed from sins. Somebody would say, well, he always knew he was going to get up. I'd say whoever says that has never been a parent before. Because if you're a parent, you know that watching your child suffer is the worst thing you can go through. Never forget, uh, uh, KJ, we had, we had fresh moved to Florida. I don't know if it was just a weather change or whatever, but my family, when we first got here, we were just getting sick, 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 back to back, sick, 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 sick. And uh, I, I had to take him in to the ER, and the ER says, hey, I need to get a culture. I said, well, what does that mean? He says, well, I need to kind of stick this thing down his nose uh, and, and, and see what's going on with him. Uh, and I was like, oh, I, I knew that's going to be a tough one. I mean, I knew it was going to be a tough one because I know this kid, he's just not having it at all. Um, so he tries, and KJ's like, no, 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 and he's just, he just don't want no part of it. He's moving, he's ducking, he's dodging. Uh, so the doctor says, listen, I, 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 can't I can't give him the medicine without the diagnosis. I really have to get culture. Uh, could you help me out? I said, sure. I said, well, what I'll do is I, I know what he does. He does trust me. So I sat on the bed. I straddled him. I hugged him. I said, hey, buddy, you all right? He says, yeah, you're scaring me. You know, he just relaxed himself because he was in his arms as daddy. And then I had to do something shady. He says, throw it, and I had to do it. I had to do it. I had to do it. He's just at ease in my arms, and I just hug him tighter and tighter, and he don't see it. He don't see it, and I got him by that time. I got him. I said, go, do it now. Do it now. And my son at this point, listen, you all, I'm telling you, I wish I could laugh with you all because even thinking about it breaks my heart. This guy looked at me like I betrayed him, Brother Finch. He looked at me like I betrayed him. This man came in, and he said, it's okay, little buddy. And this guy was in full panic mode because the person who was supposed to take care of him, as far as he knows, stabbed him in the back. But in reality, I knew why I was doing it because it was true. He did have the flu. He got the Tamiflu, and, you know, we were, we were on our way. Or I think it was strep throat. I don't know. One of those things they had to figure out. Either way, after the fact, he didn't want to talk to me. And I felt mighty bad about it, y'all. I did. I mean, you know, I, you know, once once the kids get older, you're like, nah, get out of here, you know, that kind of action. But but at that age, you know, it's just like he's just crying his eyes out, and I want to comfort him, but he don't want no part of me because he's like, you did it. And as a parent, I'm telling you, it literally. Uh, y'all can y'all can say it's a rookie parent move. I know, but it, it sat with me for some days. Like it was just troublesome to me. Okay, I just watched my son get a culture swab. God watched his son get beat to death, hung on a cross, you know, uh, stretched out, slashes in the front, slashes in the back, crown of thorns. They spit in his baby's face. They hit him upside the head. They mocked him. They teased him. At any moment, God could have rained down fire, killed everybody for messing with his baby. But he let it happen. Why? Because God loved all of us. And what did he know? He knew real, real quick. Can we, y'all mind if I plug the gospel? He knew. He knew that we could not do anything about our sins. You see, the wages of sin has always been death. And he knew that we've, we, we've gotten ourselves so deep in sin debt that we didn't have uh, enough atoning blood on our side to clean it up. But God says, I do have one that can do it, and it's my son. Well, why would you let your son die for these people who you know some of them going to be ungodly for all their days? He did it because he loved us. And the concept of love goes back to that original point. That is, love motivated God to place the world over his son. That is, I'm definitely not better than Jesus. I don't deserve the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, the death of him. I don't deserve it. But what God did was God looked at me with this endearing thing called love. And this thing called love motivated God to place my welfare above the life of his son. Well, that's love. If y'all get that, say amen. So what are we talking about? Perfect love places us second. 
And that's the reason why we've got to love us. Because if I'll beat myself up, I'm sure enough going to beat you up. And if I won't forgive myself, I won't forgive you either. You all have heard the phrase before, hurt people. Absolutely. It's because no matter how hard I try, not if, 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 if I'm broken, I can't fix you. You know, the Bible says, for if the blind lead the blind, both will fall. And the reason why that is is because you can't do for anybody what you can't truly do for yourself. My mama used to say, uh, I'd say, uh, can we go to McDonald's? She'd say, you got some McDonald's money. And why did she ask me that? She asked me that because, uh, you know, we grew up in what we call poverty, praise the Lord. And um, she knew I didn't have the money. And unless you've got the money, we can't go. And why can't we go? Because I can't take you, son, somewhere where I can't take myself. So we were going straight to the house eating that rice and caramelized onions and, and liver. Say amen if you can. And, and not to get too all, but to, even to this day, people will say, people say, Brother Jones, I know you say you don't eat liver, but you ain't never had my liver. I said, I ain't never going to have your liver either. I don't want none of your liver. I don't want none of your liver. My mama took all that liver out of me. If y'all stay with me, say amen. You see, love, if y'all stay with me, say amen. Uh, love calls for. Someone say calls for. Love calls for the well-being of others to be prioritized higher than oneself. So ask yourself, how often do you do that? How often in the midst of your hustle and bustle do you find yourself putting someone else's needs above your own? If we miss that mark, we're missing the concept of love because love in itself is rooted in sacrifice. Love is indeed sacrificial. The Bible says, greater love hath no man than this, than a man would lay down his own yeah, it, it is sacrifice. It's sacrifice. There, there's, there's no measure of sacrifice absent love. I want us to take it a little bit higher. I, I'd like to talk to you all about uh, why we need to trust in the love of God. Let's go back to the first point. I believe that we struggle with loving ourselves. That's the root of it. That's the root problem with love. Somebody would say, no, nah, people are mean and people are just hateful and all that type of stuff. No, because we're missing the whole process of maturation. You see, every one of us comes into this world knowing nothing. And we go through this thing called life. And the experiences that you go through in life shape and form you. And depending on how you grew up, love may be something that you get in a very healthy way. And these people can grow to thrive and be awesome in love because they grew up in a loving home. I, my greatest desire, my greatest desire in life is not to be the, the best preacher I can be for you all, although I try to be it, but that's a number two in my life. The number one in my life, number one in my life, Lord God, if I die, please let my children grow up in a house where they were loved. Y'all, I'll give everything for that because I don't want them to go in the world searching for what they should have had clearly with me. So the, the trouble comes, though, the trouble comes, though, is that while I'm striving to make that, here's the reality. Everybody didn't grow up in an environment like that. True story. Um, we have individuals who grew up in homes who they were molested growing up. True story. We have an individual in our, in our congregation who literally watched one of her parents murder the other. Now, don't tell me that that experience doesn't shape you in a tough, challenging way. So the question is, how can someone come through such great adversity and still manifest great love? Because the powerful fact about it is that if, you, you, if I gave you 12 guesses, you'd never guess who the person is. Because somehow this person with this troublesome past still has a very loving present and walks courageously in love today. Well, how does that happen? Well, you've got to find then new foundation for love. Someone say new foundation. You've got to find new foundation because we're defining love in all the wrong ways. We're defining love on the way that, that, that our ex 
husband treated us or our, 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 our ex-wife treated us or how my mama who treated me or my daddy who wasn't never there treated me or, 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 or my mama who loved all them boyfriends she had more than she loved us. That's how we're defining love. And that's a skewed visual of love because your visual of love is already broken. And if you're loving someone from a broken perspective of love, then indeed your visual of love is going to be broken. And I want you to start forgiving yourself by noting that your dynamic is not your fault. You can't make anybody do anything. You couldn't make him show up to be a father. You couldn't make her show up to be a mother. You couldn't make him show up to be a husband. You couldn't make her show up to be a wife. You can't make anybody do anything. So how you have been shaped by the experiences you have, that's not your fault, and you got to forgive yourself if you are falsely holding yourself hostage under that. So then, if I recognize that the way that I've learned love is wrong, and I've got to change how I see love, I need a new paradigm. I'm going to challenge us to reframe how we see love, and we've got to start to see love by first trusting in the love of God. Now, that's where it starts. Y'all know I love me some Juanita Jones, but she didn't love me like God. And I love me some KJ, Jalea, and Clarissa, but they don't love me like God. I love me some Pembroke Park, but you all don't love me like God. And if I can get to a place where I have a rich appreciation for love uh, from the visual of God, it helps me. If you get that, say amen. What's the first step? First step is you've got to know. Someone say no. You've got to know that God loves you. You've got to know that. How do I know that? Let's start with our first fact. Fact, love doesn't pick and choose. It doesn't pick and choose. That's not how he operates. It doesn't pick and choose. Don't forget what it said. The Bible says, God so loved the world. And the concept of world, that's all inclusive. That is, God loves, uh, 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 God loves white people and black people. God loves uh, inmates, and he loves free people. God loves the employed and unemployed. God loves the educated and the uneducated. God loves the criminal. God loves the civilian. God loves Americans. God loves every human being on every portion of this planet. God loves them. If you got into a rocket ship and joined NASA and flew to the moon, God would still love you there. Because you've got to know, someone say no, you've got to know that God loves you. And I know that, you, that I know that we read that God loves us, but getting to a place where not just being informed of God's love, but being transformed by God's love, you've got to start being transformed by God's love. Because if you're not transformed by God's love, you'll continue to operate under your broken paradigm and you'll never enjoy love. Here's the problem. In this day and age, there are still human beings that believe that love is something to be feared. You'll hear it. They'll say, you know what? I just don't want to start dating again, preacher. Why not? Because I don't just want to fall for somebody and then get my heart broke. And I'm like, listen, you, the way you're describing love is the wrong picture. It's just the wrong picture. It is the absolute wrong picture. Now, somebody would say, well, can it happen? Certainly it can happen. Certainly it can happen. But when I truly get to understand love, I can, look at, I can look and I can begin to diagnose love. Christ is very detailed in what love is. And when I understand it, I can begin to recognize it. But the problem is, is that as human beings, we are flawed people. So what gives me the courage to love a flawed person? Well, love is the courage. How do I manifest that courage? I've got to trust in the love of God. Well, what do I know about the love of God? I know this. God loves me, and God would do whatever he's got to do to make sure I'm taken care of. How do you know that? Y'all look with me in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. If you love the word of God, say amen. Fifth chapter of the book of Romans. Um, Christ is talking to us through his manservant, Paul. And he's going to say something very powerful to us in verses 1 through 8. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to try to uh, move through this thing with haste. Uh, Y'all follow along with me. I'm in the New King James Version. If you have it, say amen. Listen, the Bible says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's a beautiful phrase. I wish I had time. Through whom also, not only do we have peace with God through Christ, but through him we also have access by faith into grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What does that mean? That means because of Christ, not only do I have access to God, I can talk with God, I can pray to God, but because of Christ, when judgment day comes, I'm not going to be terrified when I see God. I'm going to be rejoicing when I see God. I don't deserve to. Let's, let's definitely make sure we understand that. Lest anybody sit and says, man, you know what? I wish I was together as the preacher so that I could rejoice. Listen, the preacher ain't together. Say amen if you can. The preacher's struggling too. He's struggling too. We all are struggling. I'm telling you, I trust in the infallible word of the God, uh, the, in the infallible word of God, and I trust in the love of God. And when I get to understand how much God loves me and the lengths he would go through for me in his love, I can redefine how I engage people. If y'all sit with me, say amen. Verse number four, and uh, verse number three, rather, he says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. That is, in this love, somehow I'll start to see trouble a little bit better. I glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Well, what does that mean, preacher? He's going to clarify. If y'all still with me, say amen. He says, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, Paul is presenting it to us as if you don't need greater proof, Pembroke Park, visiting friends, you don't need any greater proof of the love of God than Calvary. That's the greatest proof. And that's literally just a piece of the pie because I still can't get over how he woke me up this morning. And I'm, and I'm still thinking about the things he's forgiven me for. And I'm still th- thankful for the lessons he's taught me. And times when he could have crushed me, but he gave me a second chance. I'm thankful. I'm thankful because, y'all, I was riding down the street. I, I, I thought the light was, 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 was green. I rolled up. I saw it was red. I slammed on brakes, and nobody was coming to hit me or kill me. Put it in reverse, backed it on up. Uh, somebody calls it coincidence. That's foolish. I call it providence. I say, thank you, Lord. He says, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Listen to this. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own what? Love towards us in that, don't miss this now, in that while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners. Now, why is that so important? I'll tell you why that's important. That's important because he died so that we might have access to righteousness. He gave us the gift to inherit righteousness at a time when we were unrighteous. Let me tell you what that looks like in a way that will make you appreciate it. You know, let's say your credit score was four. Not 100, just four, just four, just four, just four. Your credit score was a smooth four, smooth four. And, 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 and somebody said, well, how many, how, many, how many financial assets do you own? And you'd say, I've got, I've got four. Four what? Four dollars is all I've got. I've got four dollars with a credit score that's four. Well, what are you here for? I'm here to purchase a car. Now, we all know full well how this goes. We don't have to play the game. There's one way that this goes, and that is you're walking in here looking for something that you By all definition, you are not owed, nor do you deserve. And by your financial record, you've proven yourself unworthy. Let's say in those same circumstances, someone gave you a Lexus. 2019, fully loaded. No, don't thank the Lord yet. No, no, no. (laughs) Let's Let's say someone gave it to you. 2019, fully loaded, leather, heated seats, uh, sunroof, uh, the best sound system, uh, chrome rims. uh, uh, I mean, it's just nice. Now, here's the problem. We both know that in 29 days, payment is due. 
and you've got $4. Not only do you have a gift that you don't deserve, you have a gift that you can't afford. Imagine that the company that gives you the Lexus, they tell you they'll make the payment on your behalf. Now, now, while we're floating in this automotive fantasy world, <laughs> let me help some of y'all, because some of y'all are smiling too big. I don't, I don't, I don't know what y'all are thinking about. I don't, I, don't, I don't really know what you're thinking about. Uh, but let me help you to understand that that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. What they're going to do is they're going to say, well, let me take you to our pre-owned lot. We got something in the back that might, that might help you. And they're going to they're gonna give you something that you got to crank up like this. And, you know, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna hope you're going to be all right. Uh, but, but essentially, picture how, 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 how impossible that looks. You gave the gift and you paid the price. And I don't even deserve it. And I can't afford it. There's not a car lot in this place that would do it. If I own the car lot, I love y'all, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. And the reason why is because it, 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 it ju it's, just, it's just illogical. But that is the exact picture of my gift of salvation. I couldn't afford it. Justice demands that I should die. But Grace and mercy paid the price. And how many of y'all know that the Bible says uh, that, 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 that if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from what? That is, not only did he clean me up then, but he's cleaning me up every day. That is, I'm, I'm literally riding this Cadillac called Grace, and I'm dinging her up every day. I'm putting dents in her, and what is he doing? He's just taking me into the body shop, getting me fixed right. He's paying the tab. He's letting me drive a little longer. And what does that look like, my brothers and my sisters? Well, that's the picture of love. And that is how we ought to love each other. Now, that picture starts to put in our mind, well, let, let's get the point first. You see, Christ died for, notice, the ungodly and sinners. See, that's the point you've got to get because him dying for ungodly and sinners means that he paid for people to have what they could not afford and they did not deserve. And I'm glad he died for the ungodly and sinners because I haven't always been a preacher my whole life. And I, I've been an ungodly sinner before. So how did I get the access into salvation? How did you get the access into salvation? You got it through God's love. Now, the paradigm of God's love is important. You see, we learn. We learn from the word, however. We make the power of the word void in our lives when we miss the mark of love. That is, Christ demonstrates his love in action. I want you to understand that action in and of itself is not the manifestation of love. The action must be motivated by love, and we're definitely going to get more into that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Y'all turn there with me if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. If you love the Word of God, say amen. Listen carefully as the Bible reads. It says, Paul talking still. Paul says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Now, I do want you to appreciate that he is, not, he is not speaking from the position that tongues is a speech of angelic utterance. That, that, is, that is a false doctrine. That's a false doctrine. Because when we begin to appreciate the true study of tongues in the book of Acts, around chapter 2, we understand that the gift of tongues were given to the twelve so that they might be able to be heralds and ambassadors in regions beyond Judea. If you get that, say amen. The Bible says that people heard them in their own tongues speaking glorify God. So Paul is not saying that there is a, the ability to speak in a heavenly tongue because it makes null and void the tongues because angels don't need to be baptized. Say amen if you can. But he's saying, supposing my gift was so phenomenal, that I could speak in all languages of men and of angels. He says, but I don't have love. 
I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. That is, I'm just making noise. I'm, I'm just making noise. He proves the point. Watch him in verse number two. Verse number two, he says, and though I have the gift of prophecy, which is possible, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, that is also impossible. He's not condoning that a human being has the power to have all knowledge because the Bible has already made it clear. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. So what is Paul? Paul is speaking in exaggeration. Let's say I had the gift, but I had it at a hyper speed, but I don't have love. Well, then even if I have the best of gifts, it doesn't mean anything. And let's say I can, I have all gift of prophecy and I can speak in all knowledge and all wisdom, but if I don't have love, he tells us in verse number two, if y'all still with me, say amen. He says, uh, uh, and though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all ministries and, and all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, he says, I'm nothing. Why is that? Because there's something we've got to understand, church. We've got to understand that love is indeed the cornerstone of everything. So I've got to get this love thing right. I've got to get this thing love right, and the way I get it right is I've got to understand that I need love, but I've got to redefine it because my experiences have given me a skewed experience. Everybody in here has been heartbroken by someone in the name of pseudo-love. Man, I wish y'all would look at me like I, I ain't telling the truth here. Everybody in here, everybody in here, even if, even if you don't want to even acknowledge it, even if there's a part of you that's buried it deep, I get it, I understand. But we all know that we've been burned. We've been burned in the name of what we were sold was love. But that ain't love. Because you see, love begins to manifest itself like Romans 5. See, Romans 5 Christ didn't do things for his benefit. He did things for my benefit. And you see, that's what love is really all about. I would rather you have what you need and to make sure we're well there. Still blows my mind. I'll never forget when I was little, my mother, uh, my brother wanted to join the band. He wanted to play the saxophone. And he was so sad because um, he, we were having a talk at the dinner table. And my mama, not my daddy, not my daddy, but my mama, she'd give us these moments where she'd say, you know what, you can speak free and tell me what's on your mind. And my brother said, mama, I just hate being poor. And she said, why is that? He said, because, like, we don't ever get to do nothing. Like, like we, don't, we don't ever get to play no sports, and we don't ever get to do nothing. He said, I know it's money. I'm not mad if we got the money. I just wish we weren't poor. She said, well, what, what would you want to do if you could do it? Um, you know, he said, I, I'd want to play in the band. She said, what would you want to play? He said, I want to play the saxophone. And sure enough, just a few weeks later, boom, here comes the saxophone. Oh, my brother was through the roof. And I was through the roof because I was like, well, I want a trumpet. <laughs> I was selfish. I didn't get love. I was selfish. I was selfish. I don't miss it. Well, as we became adults, as we became adults, you know, once you get a little bit older, parents start to invite you into things you just didn't know. And my dad, one day, we were all sitting, I, I want to say in my house in Texas or the early part of my house in Florida, but we we're all sitting at the table with my dad. And my dad is kind of talking to us, and him and my mama had a moment over that whole ordeal because he didn't want her to do it. Because he knew that she was going to sacrifice her medicine money to get the thing. And she did it because she trusted God would make a way, and God made a way, of course. But you see, well, why would she push her medicine to number two? Not saying I'm saying you should do that. I'm just saying why would she push her medicine number two was because she loved her son. And love calls us to sacrifice. If y'all get that, say Amen. So what is this idea of love? Love makes me know that it ain't got to be my way. It doesn't have to be my idea. It doesn't have to be the way I want it in the ministry. It ain't, y'all ain't got to sing the songs I like singing. And if y'all ain't singing my song, I don't want to sing with y'all. <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be that because that's not love. You see, trusting in his love, if we learn to trust in his love, it'll magnify our love. First John chapter 4, as we're, we're, we're getting close to having to wrap this thing up. If you love the word of God, say amen. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And, and we're looking together at about verses 17 through 21. 1 John, the fourth chapter, verses 17 through 21. 
He says, listen, love has been perfected among us in this. How do we know it? That we have boldness. Someone say boldness. We have boldness in the day of judgment. That is, that is, listen to me, church. When you trust in, when you trust in the love of the Lord, man, and I know when some of y'all hear this, y'all going to be like, oh, preach, you better fix that. But listen, when you trust in the, in, in, in the love of the Lord, you shouldn't fear death or the judgment. No, you shouldn't fear the death or the judgment. And somebody would say, oh, well, I, I, I hear you preaching, but you know, what if I wasn't good enough? Newsflash, you're never going to be good enough. Not one of us is good enough. Yeah, but we trust in his love. We trust in his love. And his love, and his love, he told Paul, in his love, my grace is sufficient for thee. Now, you got to do your part. He says, what? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? That is, I can't keep living a life of sin. I can't just do what I want to. Right, because that is uh, 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 the one who has vomited, the dog that has vomited, left the vomit, came back, ate that up. No, no, he didn't send you away. You destroyed yourself. But if you fight the good fight of faith, when you lay your pillow, when you lay your head on the last pillow you'll lay on, and you prepare to breathe your last breath, trusting in the love of God, you should say, Lord, the only heartbreak is that I'm about to leave my family. Because I know on the other side, I've got something wonderful waiting on me. He says we have boldness. Someone say boldness. Have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love, Pembroke Park. That's the wrong space. We, 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 we missed it. There is no fear in love. But perfect love. Someone say perfect love. See, that's what we thought we had when them people that burned us, but we didn't have it. Perfect love cast out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first what? If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. I got to read that again. If someone says, I love God, but I can't stand her, that person's a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen. For he who, ha- who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he, love, he who loves God must, must, must love his brother also. If y'all get that, say amen. Our core understanding, my brothers and my sisters, to get love, these three aspects, it's rooted in these three. It's rooted in these three. I've got to have a love for self. Someone say self. That is, you got to start loving you. You got to ask yourself, why are you so hard on you? Why are you so oppressive on you? Because if you're oppressive on you, you'll be oppressive on your kids, and you'll be oppressive on your spouse, and you'll be oppressive on your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then people won't want to deal with you because they know you're not dealing with me in love. You're dealing with me in oppression, which creates fear, puts us in a space where I don't want to connect with you, and we're missing it because that's not love, and we want to find love. If y'all get that, say amen. I got to have a love for mankind. That is, I got to love you all. And the concept of me loving you is I have to be courageous enough to love you at a rate that's higher than my own. How do I do that? I've got to trust in the love of God. And trusting in the love of God helps me to love people because I know that no matter what anybody tries to do to me, God's always going to have my back. I can love you without fear because God's got my back. Are there any questions comments, concerns. I'm hoping y'all are looking at me like that because y'all got it. If you got it, say amen. Bro Finch, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Unconditional. Yes, sir. It, it is hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did y'all hear what he said? I'll tell you. Uh, um, Brother Finch said what, what everybody's saying, but they ain't coming out and saying it. Uh, he says, love thy neighbor, uh, Brother Jones, is, is unconditional. I said, yeah, Brother Finch, is unconditional. He says, but it's hard. It's hard. Because 
loving people that do you wrong, it's just, it's just hard. And I agree with him, it's hard. But there's a big difference between hard and impossible. Y'all don't like that kind of preaching, I know. <laughs> uh, uh, today, uh, Lauren took me to Opelika and was killing me out there. And, 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 and he said, we were going to run a mile. Uh, uh, so, we, so we ran a half, half a mile and we came back in. Uh, and then he said, okay, we're going to do these sets. We're going to do 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, right? And I said, okay, no problem. And I was, I was, boy, I was y'all, y'all, man, y'all have been proud of your preacher. I was in there knocking them out. I was like, man, I'm knocking them out. I feel like he, man. And what I didn't know was he said, okay, good. Now, after we get done with that, we're going to do another one all over again. I was like, ho, 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 brother, ho, brother, ho, brother. Ho, brother, ho, brother. Uh, uh. Uh, uh, now, 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 brother, now, now, that's, that, that, that's going to be tough right there. Uh, and, and all he kept saying is, oh, you can do it. You can do it, brother Jay. You can do it, brother Jay. I see you, brother Jay. You can do it, brother Jay. And sure enough, uh, y'all, it beat me down. Now, I'm not going to lie. I, 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 I drug myself to my car. Boy, I was hurting. Uh, he had me lifting and pushing and all kind of stuff. Uh, and it was hard. It was hard. But I want you to know that just because a thing's hard doesn't mean it can't get done. And, and I agree with Brother Finch. He's telling the truth that loving some people is hard. But we've got to consider the gift of it, the beauty of it, the reward for it, the necessity of why I need it. I've got to love you. I have to love you because I want to confirm and I want to be trustworthy and I want to be true to my love for God. Y'all, I'd keep y'all here all night, but I know I better not do it, so I'm going to end this thing. Uh, what I will tell you is that next week, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about why uh, we're going to answer the question Brother Finch had. We're going to talk about why I need God to love. That is, I'm going to tell you that love, perfect love, you can't do on your own. And you need God to help you to do that. If y'all get that, say amen. Uh, I'll, I'll close this out by saying, if you're not a child of God, you certainly ought to become one. If there's nothing I've learned in this life, I've learned that I, I don't know how I was making it before. And when I'm really honest, I really wasn't making it before. I was just kind of getting along and, and surviving. Uh, but to thrive, I needed God in my life. And I want you to thrive. Someone say thrive. You come by hearing the word of God. You need to hear that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die in your place to pay your debt. Your bill has been paid because of the Lord. And he continues to clean it up. He continues to make it right on a daily basis. You need to hear that. Ask yourself, do you believe it? I pray you believe it. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, but without faith it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I hear the word of God. I believe God's word to be true. I repent of my sins. I tell the Lord I'm sorry for the way I lived. It was sin that separated me and you, God. I don't ever want to let sin become so prevalent in my life that it separates you and me again. I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I acknowledge him to be the Lord of my life, the Savior of my life. I'm buried in the watery grave of baptism by his commandment, Acts chapter 2, verse number 38, Acts 22 and 16. My sins are washed away. I receive the Holy Spirit. I'm added to the body of Christ. I get a fresh start. I get a new identity. If y'all know that's good news, say amen. I remain faithful unto death. I receive a crown of life. Maybe just maybe you're here tonight and you know I need some prayer. I need some prayer. I know the series is going to build us in love, but already in this first part, I can hear some areas of my love where I need some prayer for. Here's the good news. First John 1 and 9, the Bible says, if we simply confess our faults, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If anyone needs to respond, we urge you to do so right now as we together stand and sing.